And we're live. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm just trying to survive, you know, during the supposed end of the world. Right. As everyone likes to meme about. Hanging in there. It's kind of pathetic when, like, I don't know. It seems pathetic to me when people are joking about it being the end of the world. Like, you think this is that bad? Like, to, because we're so used to having so much. We're used to having such luxurious lives that interruption like this seems like the end of the world. But I think it also plays into the whole pandemic zombie meme, too. You know, like, oh yeah. my God, what if this mutates and creates zombies? <laughs> and did you did you see that meme about how the the Wuhan the no, Wuhan the Wuhan um, the sign outside the the lab? It looks like the Umbrella Corporation's logo from Resident Evil. I didn't see that, but I just started learning about them. So yeah, it's like. It's the Umbrella Corporation, and they have a picture of, like, a white and blue umbrella on the front. Mm-hmm. And so the supposed Wuhan one is very similar. Doesn't surprise me at so all. So it's just, like, golden meme material. <laughs> but, yeah, what do you think? Do you think this is, like, as bad as people are saying? Not as bad? Right? Well, Perfectly. I'm not a doctor, you know? I mean, you're not a doctor, but... I'm looking at some numbers. I'm looking at what I've seen around me. Um, and just the other night, um, on uh, an organ man, a 104-year-old man seemed to survive the coronavirus. He contracted it in March. And on his birthday, was on the news, on the day of his 104th birthday, was on the news to celebrate the fact that he was free of the coronavirus. 104 years old. He is a World War II survivor, so this is definitely a strong human being, but he's also 104 years old, so, you know, that that kind of makes me feel a lot safer. It does. makes me feel a lot safer. It makes me feel like this might just be kind of like another flu, you know, maybe a super flu. Um, even those, I was never really afraid of them. I, there was a bunch of those growing up, SARS and the swine flu and all these flus, and I just kept living my life the whole time, and I caught flus the whole time, and I got over all of them, and um, I heard Tom Hanks getting over his flu. You know, he's he's in his 60s at least. I'm not quite sure how old he is, but, you know, at the same time, I want to be really um, safe for other people, you know. I want to make sure I wash my hands when I come in from the house and that I don't do anything to give the, the virus to anyone else, but um, I'm feeling pretty safe from it now, you guys, honestly. Yeah, so you kind of have more an attitude about it like come on man I'm gonna be okay like I hope it doesn't hurt as many people as it's purported to but I know I'm relatively safe you know I think I'm lucky enough to possibly be in a demographic that allows me to feel a little more comfortable than other people you know yeah Um, I'm a little younger than you know I don't have uh, any ailments necessarily that any you know immune ailments and stuff so um but at the same time i do worry for other people and i understand that this is a big deal um i just you know i've been looking a little bit at this uh cdc numbers for the flu um you know uh 
cases and deaths and stuff in 2018-19 and even all the way back to 2010 and I'm not going to go into all those numbers right now but they're 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 comparable to what we're looking at right now and you know I know tuberculosis killed 1.7 million people um I believe it was in 2019 and nobody uh said a thing about that no one said anything about that so I just wonder if they're going to, you know, what they're, how, why this is a special case necessarily. I mean, I know it's a big deal, but this whole medical field is a big deal, right? I mean, we got a lot of things that are a big deal in this world. And um, where does this rank? I mean, are we going to start making a ranking for the, for the diseases and stuff? I think there's two things I would say to that. And I think the most important differences between, uh, tuberculosis and measles and influenza is that there's a vaccine for all of those things currently available whereas when you have something infecting people without a vaccine we have to be in a higher state of panic and I guess like prevention mode than with these other things because you just know that immune that herd immunity will stop a great portion of people from dying for from diseases that we have vaccines for. So um, I guess what I'm saying is that the number of deaths that we could prevent by focusing our attention on something we don't have a vaccine for is way more variable than uh, something than that we already have a vaccine for. Because when we have a vaccine for a disease and people are dying from it, really not much else you can do than make that True. vaccine more readily True. available, you know? Right. But when you have something like COVID-19 where there is no vaccine, right. I think everyone's more game game on about it because they're like, okay, we don't have a vaccine for this yet, so we got to try fight like hell to make sure we do. Otherwise, yeah, we'll get through this round, but what about the re what about like when it comes back up again next year, the year after that, whatever, what have you. So they're trying not to get rid of it just for now, but for perpetuity. And I think it's kind of warranted to be more gung-ho about limiting it when um, you're dealing with that consideration. But the other thing I was going to say, I think it's on par with the flu for how contagious it is. But if you think about airborne diseases, like it's so hard not to get an airborne disease. It's so easy to sure. spread it. And it lasts, yeah. like they initially said it lasted on surfaces for like five days, but now it's like 17 days or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it stays in the air for like, I don't know how many days. And my friend was showing me this YouTube video of what these microscopic uh, droplets, uh, what the patterns of movement are when you talk and when you cough and pretty much everything. And it's just like so all encompassing that immediate area of where everyone else is in, in relation to that person. Mm -hmm. That like, if you are infected, then you're definitely going to spread it to everyone you come in contact with. No mm -hmm. matter like, no matter if the interaction is longer than five seconds or shorter than five seconds or longer than five seconds, there's not much variation. I would, I would think like if you're infected and go to a grocery market and you just pass by people within like, I would say maybe three to four feet instead of six feet. Mm -hmm. Odds are you're going to affect them too, you know, unless you do all the precautions like wear a mask, mm -hmm. you don't face them, you don't cough or talk towards them, all these things, this, that, and the other. You know, there's ways of cutting down on it. But again, that comes down 
down to how seriously you take the the disease right. and what you're willing to do out in public. Well, what's interesting, I think, about cutting down on it is it's slowing the curve, is that eventually the same amount of people will still be infected, right, is by theory, as the curve is, even if you slow it down, like, it's still going to be around, it'll just be around longer, and more people will, more, the same amount of people will get it, but it will be in a longer period of time. Because I don't, I don't. I think that's what flatten the curve means, though. It's the okay. same amount of people. But it, 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 at the same time, it's interesting to think that how when people want to, um, you know, make the make the disease eradicate the disease, I think that what what they're doing um, is by not going outside at all and staying completely inside is not really benefiting um, them as human beings, you know, because staying inside really doesn't help your immune system at all. You know, and they're not, um, you don't see anybody outside anymore, you know. I, I haven't seen, they don't allow anyone to go on the beach. You can go surfing, but I just wonder how long they can they can keep us doing this because, um, uh, you know, I was on the, uh, the other day I was just on the road and I was I was skateboarding on the road and I had police officers come up to me and tell me, oh, you can't, you can't skateboard right here. Normally you can, but right now you can't. And um, it's really weird. I was like, I'm by myself, it's completely by myself. It's weird. So why don't you think that it benefits your immune system to shield it away from the virus? Well, I think being inside is just naturally not... So I think that it's good to stay away from other people, absolutely. And being inside of supermarkets, hospitals, um, definitely going to increase your chances of, of getting the virus. But um, being outside, but if you're away from other people, I don't see any danger in that whatsoever you know if a person is 20 30 feet away from other people and they're in a park yeah or, or even you know wherever on a street or um but yeah you know um it, it, how to how to keep how to keep these things from spreading is something that we're not all experts at right we're yeah and that's something that i'd like to bring up too is like this is a drill right i mean for if this was ever to get really serious right yeah because I mean, some people would say this is really serious. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I, I, I think Ebola is more along the lines of something that I would be really worried about. Um, yeah, Ebola has like a 10% death rate compared yeah. to a 1% death rate. Yeah. But yeah. it's less contagious than COVID. That's right. the trade-off. Like right. mortality rate for chance of infection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would probably... Uh, still take the same precautions, you know, wash my hands. I think if you don't touch your face outside and you don't get near anybody else, you wash your hands um, when you come in from your from your house every single time with antibacterial soap, eliminates your chances down to like probably 98% yeah. of not getting it, you know. Um, it's going to either get on you by being sneezed on you, by you going into an area that is, it's in the in air, like a, a closed environment like Walmart or Target or circulated air. Yeah, circulated air um, into a room with people that have it. Uh, that I mean, it's, that's just, just going to be all over the place. Um, and then if you touch it on something, so if you don't go near anyone and you don't uh, and you wash your hands when you come in from from outside, uh, you probably won't get it. Yeah, there's tons of precautions you could take, and it seems like there actually is some risk to being quarantined with other individuals 
because of the uh, initial virus dosage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was talking about this to you earlier that the idea is that you present a what's called a higher virus dosage to other individuals if you're infected and you're living in a closed environment with them, like say if they're your roommates, for instance. So the dosage that you expose them to um, is pretty constant and at a great rate because mm -hmm. you're, you know, occupying the same space at all times, presumably if you're both quarantined in this house on lockdown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you can be asymptomatic, spread it to your roommates, whether or not they're going to be symptomatic is like completely varies, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, the only the risk of quarantining people is that you risk trapping healthy people with unhealthy people. Absolutely. You know, yeah. infected people well with uninfected. You're mm -hmm. you're locking the innocent people in into the room with the zombie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. so that's kind of you can't really avoid that. You know, okay. yeah. that's True. that's just like not something that is under your control. But I still agree broadly with the whole social distancing and only go outside when you need to, mm -hmm. keeping essential services in order. It seems like you have, um, it seems like the economic consequences of this issue are more pressing to you than the public health ones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are. Oh yeah. Do you want to like, yeah. do you want to talk about that a little sure. bit? Um, well, so last night I was watching um, ABC News World Tonight, World News Tonight, Evening News, uh, ABC, and uh, that was uh, October, or excuse me, I'm sorry, <laughs> April 4th, um, and it's, the guy said, do not, quote unquote, do not go out even to the pharmacy or grocery store, end quote. I'll say it again, uh, quote, do not go out even to the pharmacy or grocery store, quote, end quote. What, that's not, that does not, that is not okay. That, what if someone has it inside that house? Then everyone else is going to have it inside that house. Do not go out even to the pharmacy. People will die. Who said that? This was ABC News, World News Tonight, even news. I they're, wrote it down last night. They were saying to the, their viewers. Yeah, it was in New York. I think it was New York. People, people in New York, yeah. I swear uh, to God, I'll even bring did it the, up. Did the governor, did Cuomo issue? Cuomo, no. He, Cuomo? Um, he didn't. Did Cuomo if, say that to? Uh, this was a random guy. He had he has a real slick looking hair. Um, when I heard that, it made me it made me sick um, because of the fact that people need to eat. They need to go out and breathe fresh air and see sunshine. They need to um, realize that life is still going to be a good when they see the sunrise every day. Um, and see a butterfly fly by them. Um, they need to uh, eat. They need to take medicine. A lot of these people, the same people we're trying to save, they need medicine to survive. So you tell the same elderly pe elderly people they can't go out to get their medication, but they but they can stay inside and, and connect. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I, I feel that that is a little too much. And yeah, yeah I do. F go ahead. I definitely think pharmaceutical and grocery stores, those are items that I don't see how plausibly they can ever be ruled non-essential. Right. So Me either. as these like utmost essential services, uh, it would be very 
counterproductive to close those down yeah because a lot of people depend on them i mean i go to the grocery store all the time to stock up on food have to yeah you would have to and there's literally about three days without water so many days you know seven to 12 days or 14 days without food um, I believe that this was more of a guideline, and I, I'm going to look up this article, and I'm going to find it because it was very disturbing to me, and I, we will reinvestigate this another time. But um, uh, when they said that to me, I was very surprised that they would um, – that that could be suable. You know, they talk about suing these other guys for saying, oh, don't worry about it. Well, you're going to sue someone for saying don't leave your house and to go for food. <laughs> I mean, come on, that could kill a 90-year-old person pretty pretty quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, come on, people need to leave their houses to go out and get food. Yeah, We got to leave to be able to go and the essential services. Are we going to shut down our entire society because of a, of, a, of a flu? Even if, you know, like I said before, you know, I read these fantasy stories and the societies, they continue, you know, catastrophe happens, they rebuild the part of the society, the whole thing continues, they all suffer from it and they all accept it and God caused it and... Or whatever, you know, um, whoever caused it, people live through it. And, you know, like, I don't know if this can happen next year, but if it does, I'm, I'm not interested in, in sitting in my house again for another three months. Yeah. But that's just my, that, from where I see this. Yeah, this no, I, under, I understand your frustration. I do think there is um, some danger, though, in, equi- in um, equivalating it with equating it. Equating it. Equating it. With equating it uh, to the flu, I th- I feel like there's this weird political divide between uh, liberals and conservatives, where the whole pandemic itself has become a partisan issue, and your response to it mm-hmm. kind of puts you in one aisle or the other. Um, like it seems like people on the left are taking it the most seriously and are the most gung ho about. Um, policies that are flattening mm-hmm. the curve, whereas conservatives are more economically minded, just in general. Right. And Trump himself has, at this point, been kind of painted as a corrupted politician who's just trying to cushion the blow of this pandemic as much as possible because he knows if the economy tanks before the election, he's not going to get reelected. So, I mean, that's kind of how I look at him. Um, in his broad responses to the virus from, like, I would say February to the beginning of March. Because, like, it's kind of amazing how quickly conservatives started taking the virus seriously, which was, like, the middle of March and when, like, the deaths were actually starting to come in. uh, it, It just became, like, if you were still of the same position as you were in February... It was obvious that you'd be like lit up. Yeah. So the thing is, though, I I I appreciate the conservative point of view that there always should you should always consider the economic ramifications. But I feel like I come from a place where I'm more concerned about doing what is going to get rid of this virus for good for the long term than the short term, and so I think that. Be a vaccine, yeah. Which is, would you take it a year to a year to eighteen months away? If if they had it, would you take it? Oh yeah, if it was tested and you take it, and it was passed all the trials and everything, I wouldn't take it. But what I'm saying is, 
yeah, we could shut down the economy for the next three months and open up again. And, you know, if things, if people actually start to listen on a mass scale, then, and it works, it seems to work in three months, then I'm all for opening yeah. things up again. Sure. But if we rush into reopening the economy, we're just going to set ourselves up for a resurgence of this virus in the future. Because as long as we don't have a vaccine for it, it's going to yeah, survive yeah. in one form or another. That's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah, so it, it's, it's I think, um, and this is kind of a long-term strategy that could really devastate our country, you know? Like, if this thing is really bad and we have to shut down for the rest of the year, like, it's going to have, like, drastic consequences. I understand that. But I think the consequences will be worse if we rush into reopening things and try to just take the whole toughen up. It's just the flu, you know, like people die, it happens kind of route that I think a lot of people are drawn to, you know, because like you said, it has a 1% death rate and the number is still pretty low. Like I saw this tweet it's really low. that it was like this kind of making fun of the seriousness that people are attributing to COVID. And he was saying like, oh, now the coronavirus is one-tenth of the amount of flu deaths this year. But what he was responding to was a tweet that was showing what the death rate was for each date, like you know, spacing the dates out by like either a week or like the next day or whatever. So it was like February 9th, this many deaths. Uh, March something, this many deaths. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the numbers that are showing, yeah, the number is still small, but it's like exponentially growing. It like grew five times within a few days from the last jump in numbers. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but what I'm saying is, yeah, the numbers are still low, but this thing is just starting and it's already growing rate that's set to pass official flu deaths for the year. If I'm not mistaken, I could be getting these numbers wrong. My main point is this. I think we need to take this seriously, maybe not as seriously as liberals are taking it, but more seriously than conservatives are taking it on like broad terms, mm -hmm. you know. For a drill, if nothing else, right? Yeah, exactly. For, for if nothing else, else, for a drill of how to... How to handle it later. How to when handle a real this, one fucking happens. When like an actual bioweapon actually happens. presents itself. It probably will. Right? I mean, why, like, I don't think there's any reason to think that it won't be tried at least once by some right. country to... So, another. that's, I think, the best, I think, after all of this deliberation between us, I think that might be kind of a good way of, it's a good drill, you know? Yeah. We don't know, plus, we don't have all of the facts. We're not being given nearly enough information to make full opinions yet, because yeah. we don't know. So, we're just kind of going with what we've heard this is a really good option for us to opportunity for us to learn about what our society is made of, how easily they will react to things, um, what they will react, how they will react in situations like this. We've seen it, and um, and uh, you know, honestly, I I uh, I, I really I'm, I'm I really hope that things get back to normal soon. Yeah, I think all of us are feeling that way. I know I do. Now, I do want to, like, backstep a little bit. There are people right now that do think that this is a bioweapon. Yeah. 
implemented by China onto the United mm-hmm. States, mm-hmm. and they latch onto certain pieces of news that give some credence mm-hmm. to their narrative. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, there's this one story circulating about a Harvard professor who uh, had been caught by the government. Um, he had been caught lying to federal authorities about his involvement with this uh, laboratory in China mm-hmm. and how he was receiving money and um, not just a salary, but also like living expenses to go and live there and like teach and stuff. And it wasn't illegal for him to have done these things, but it was illegal for him to lie to the feds about it and not tell Harvard who he was teaching at about it. Mm-hmm. He was telling them that he had no ties to them when he had been involved with that. And then two Chinese nationals were also apprehended uh, for basically lying about what they were doing. And also one of them was trying to smuggle 21 vials of um, genetic material, I believe, into China. He was caught at the airport and he wasn't able to take it back with him. But basically they questioned him and he said that he was going to bring it with him to China to study and also to like get credit for publishing information about the genetic material. Yeah. So um, Dr. Charles Lieber, 60, uh, chair of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Harvard was arrested and charged by criminal complaint with one count of making a materially false, fictitious, and fraudulent statement. Ying King Yi, 29, a Chinese national, was charged in indictment today with one count of visa fraud, making false statements, and acting as an agent of a foreign government conspiracy. And then Zhao Song Zhang, 30, a Chinese national, was arrested at Boston's Logan International Airport and charged by criminal complaint with attempting to smuggle 21 vials of biological research to China. He was indicted on one count of smuggling goods from the U.S., one count of making false, fictitious, or fraudulent statements. So the teacher was getting paid $50,000 a year with living expenses up to $158,000 a year, and he was awarded more than $1.5 million to establish a research lab at WUT, which... Um, is Wuhan University of Technology in China. Wuhan, yeah. So, right there, his name is attached to Wuhan. Yeah. In a pretty nefarious light, uh, he was caught lying about his involvement with it. And then, uh, I think the most serious piece of information about this article was the trying to smuggle 21 vials of... Um, Genetic material. Of genetic material so uh, genetic material I, I don't think that's the official like that was officially what it was it's just listed as biological research mm-hmm. so I think that's an important distinction so he, he says that he intended to bring the vials to China to use them to conduct research in his own lab and publish the results under his own name so it was just kind of for like he was trying to get ahead I guess mm-hmm. that's his official Sorry. explanation and people are latching onto the story and saying, like, isn't this pretty convenient that this happened in January of this year? And um, they're thinking that all these stories are 
from like the same investigation. But an important distinction when actually reading this article is noting that all three of these cases were separate incidents. Mm. They just all happened to be in the same article. So it's not like this was a coordinated operation between these three individuals. There's no proof that any of them met each other Mm. or know each other or anything like that. So um, it's important to keep that context in mind because I bet there's like a bunch of weird Chinese espionage shit that gets cracked by the feds every year. Uh, it is weird that the teacher was attached to Wuhan University, but Wuhan is like has like 17 million people in it. It's right, like a pretty major job. city in China. Right. So just because it's Wuhan doesn't, like, mean, doesn't mean that's a smoking gun at all. Right. This is kind of circumstantial evidence that people are drawing on. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think one um, pretty important detail to know as well is that the uh, laboratory that the Chinese national stole those biological research files from mm-hmm. was a cancer research, research laboratory. So it had nothing to do with viruses or viro- virology at all. Mm-hmm. It had to do with cancer research. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make much sense to steal biological research about Cancer cells, right. cancer research. Right. If you want to bioengineer. Also, okay. let me let me let me put this forward. A virus. If you wanted to bioengineer a virus, and you wanted it to really mess with this uh, a society, you know, uh, bioengineering another flu wouldn't really be what. And then secondly, why were why was everybody in our government and corporations so complicit in the freak out before they even really knew what this was and okay so so even if the Chinese were to release a flu amongst us what preempted our government to freak out about it it doesn't make sense even if they've released it amongst us why did we freak out why did we freak out it's just a flu we're strong we're strong people we don't care we we fucking keep going through this shit like come on yeah this is ridiculous like why did our whole system at one time just freak out freak about out about something that's that's they didn't freak out about tuberculosis last year and the freak out so is what like people? the lockdown and the quarantine yeah the, the lockdown the quarantine the shutting down of the, of all the businesses the the martial law all this stuff I mean, I don't know exactly what they did, but why? Like, like that's, that's, what, that's what I don't, but, but, but the curve, what about the flu people? Okay, so let's ask this. Are the people who come in that are suffering from influenza being given the same beds that are, <coughs> excuse me, as the people who are suffering from COVID-19? I, I would think... If you have something that closely resembles coronavirus, you're probably going to be taking care of it for uh, you have priority during right. during right now. What I would be more concerned about would be people that are suffering from ailments that are not COVID-19 because they're probably getting neglected because everyone's like laser focused on this right now. They have less hospital beds probably and care for people that are suffering from you know cancer symptoms or uh, things, other things that are killing them, you know, so 
there is <clears throat> there is somewhat of a shoving aside of so certain sick people for the sake of other sick, sick people during this. Right. That's just, that's what happens when we put this as priority sure. number one. Sure. I definitely hear you on that. Um, the thing is, is that we've had predicaments like this in the past, and we've been fine. And the bed space was there. I, I don't, <clears throat> um, I don't know why everyone would want to go at the same time with this thing like they wouldn't for the flu uh, unless there was a panic being whipped up among them to all go at one time, which seemed like was kind of, I don't know, it just seemed like, uh, <clears throat> it seemed like everybody in the media and everybody, even the corporations and everybody was just kind of pushing this, there was this one guy on the news I saw him, he was like, I'm so bad, the COVID up and down, and, and, and meanwhile he's surviving it. And it's like basically he had the flu, and he was. And it's like, come on, man. Like, okay, you had the virus. You should be talking about the fact that I made it. You can make it. But instead, they they got this 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 piece on him, acting like he he he's he's dying, and it's so terrible, whipping up this fear, and um yeah, and so. Well, fear sells. Right, I know that. I know that. We know that. And and so a lot of money. It's one last thing I wanted to mention. I I wrote this down. Is a lot of money's transferred right now. Okay, a lot of the a lot of the restaurant owners, a lot of the cooks, waiters, and waitresses, the money that they had in their banks, is going into Walmart, and going into Amazon, is going into these other places, and their savings is gone. And Jeff Bezos must just be fucking having a, oh my God, he just must be so happy right now. And I mean, he was setting up for the, you know, the CIA had a contract with Amazon a couple years back, a five hundred million dollar contract. You can look it up. Uh, on the CIA's website, they they were working with Amazon. I don't know what it was for, but look, they're, they're, were they setting up for us to to be buying shit from home? I mean, what is this? This is not how I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life like this, man. Like I I I'd, I'd rather go out, get a fucking disease, come home and die, than than live in my fucking house for the rest of my life. Well, I think you know what I mean. Like part this, of the what sad, just happens every year. Part of the sad thing is that. Our future kind of is um, the direction it's going. It looks like technology will make us more isolated. Yeah, because right. it's going to get easier. They're making these grocery stores where there's actually no actual items in the store. They just have pictures of all of them, and you just scan your phone in front of it. That's crazy. And later on, they'll deliver all the groceries to your house. Like, this is happening. It's crazy. Amazon. They, their contract probably has to do with their drone program that they they're yeah. developing. They're literally gonna have robots fly your packages yeah, to you. Right, right. So this is just kind of. I think the government and Amazon are gearing for what yeah. the societal shift is gonna be, which is. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, COVID nineteen is kind of exasperating this process a little bit, speeding it up, expediting it. They, are, everything is getting pushed towards remoteness like jobs are yeah. becoming more remote uh, and automated they're yeah. talking more and more about people not having any jobs to do right and universal basic people income having sex with robots yeah it's just that we're not prepared for it because we're still very outdoorsy social people that are kind of skeeved out by the idea of barely ever leaving your house except for certain 
So, like, I think yeah. there will always be, like, going out and getting fresh air and also people that live in the country that are away from all that and stuff. This will probably be more relevant to, like, metropolitan areas and yeah. stuff like that. But I do think that there are a lot of societal implications from this pandemic that'll be felt far after this is over. You know? Do you think the restaurant industry is ever going to be the same? Do you think tipping is over for good? I don't think tipping is over for good. I don't think the restaurant industry will drastically change right away. I think one great thing out of this is that sanitation will be taken much more seriously right. going yeah. forward. Very good point. Yeah. And the restaurant industry will definitely be highly involved with that. Yeah. So um, I don't think those are major changes, though. I think that's what's going to happen at first. And then... Uh, I think like bartenders are eventually going to get replaced by robots. I'm not sure if servers will. I don't know if it'll ever reach that level, but uh, things are going to get automated and going out to a restaurant, I think will be become more of a niche activity. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people will go out even more in the future, but I think, um, I don't think the restaurant industry will be as drastic of changes as quickly as other industries will be. I think they're going to be crippled real bad, and I think that only the big the big restaurants are going to survive, and then it's going to take a while for mom-and-pop stores to start popping back up. But I think once people start seeing them again, they're going to be real excited to see them, and yeah. it'll come back, and it, it might even have a real strong rebound when it comes back, and there might be a lot of people who feel bad for what happened, and they might tip really well. And, and I, I did see that uh, right at the end of what was going on. I saw, some, I saw people being really generous, but... Um, it's uh, it's it's sad for 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 certain people because, um, this this whole thing is like, what's worse, losing everything you have and possibly being homeless or being sick. Fuck, I'd rather be sick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Well, there's that saying that keeps going around. What if the when the Treatment is worse than the cure. When the right. cure is worse than the illness. Yeah, exactly. Like the malaria pills that turn your fingernails black and make you puke and yeah, it's supposed to be make you feel better from the flu. <laughs> Sorry, I'd rather just have the flu. I don't want pills that make my fingernails turn black and and make me like chemotherapy me like, you know. Yeah. But I I would say with this, keep in mind. All right, so the basic difference between <clears throat> doing what Britain wanted to do and just be like. Let's let's resume life as new usual. Enough people will, because there's decent evidence available now that if you get infected with it and you you recover, you're not gonna get it again. Mm -hmm. Let's just let everyone get infected. Herd immunity will take care of it in the long term. Right. And then yeah, the maximum number of people will die. Right. But it'll be worth it. You know, they wanted to just bite the bullet on it, and like the whole rest of the world was like, what the fuck. And then they kind of reverse course. But this is the difference, though, man. Like, you're talking about more than maybe a million lives you're saving by by doing these this temporary shutdown. Like, they're saying the worst-case scenario would be, like, 1.4 million deaths, I think, in the United States. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the number would be worldwide. But, if, but now Trump's saying that Based on what we're doing now, it'll be one hundred to two hundred de thousand deaths, 
And again, that could have been reduced even lower had we done this earlier, but that's where we're at right now. It's 100 to 200,000 deaths or 1.2 to 1.4 million deaths. Right. You know? But from, I thought the way I understood it was that <clears throat> everybody was going to get it eventually no matter what anyways. It's just a matter of if they all get it at once or not. Meaning, like, I think that's a it's fact. It's still gonna spread. It's still gonna spread throughout the population fully, eventually. It's just we're slowing down that spread. No, I, I'm not sure if that's what they're they're actually keeping it, preventing people from getting it at all. Is that what they're, or are they are they just talking about people getting it less slowly? I think less, less quickly. I mean, part of it is. Yeah, everyone getting sick at once or not. That's what I'm thinking it was. But I still think the main part is the upper and lower bounds of infection are between 40 and 70%. And you're going to hit 70% if everyone goes about business as usual, like, and 40% if everyone, mm -hmm. like, reduces their movements outside the home as much as possible. So I do think it's both factors. You are going to get less people infected if you just think about it, like, the less opportunities you give yourself to get infected, the less likely you are to infect your fellow man. Doesn't course, that make sense? Of course, of course. So <clears throat> by flattening the curve, so to speak, by staying home 99% of the time, you are helping protect people from possibly coming in contact with you or with someone else who has the... I, I believe that. No, I, I know what you're saying, but like, let's say that you would do that perfectly for six weeks straight. And then on that sixth week, because of the fact that the curve was flattened, this shit's still alive, right? It's still alive longer than it would have been if it would have just ran its course really quickly. Because of the fact that we tried to flatten the curve now, the stuff is still around longer now, right? Because more people can still catch it because less people have the immunity. So it's still traveling through it's just traveling through slower it, it, my 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 what i'm wondering is it would the same amount of people still get it and would it just be at a longer period of time but it still runs its course like yeah. i'm pretty sure the virus still runs its course the same way like it unless you were to just hide forever in a, away from everybody forever then you could then you would could be away from the statistics i don't i just don't think that it's a 100% infection rate like you're making out to be. Like, you're definitely yeah. going to get it no matter what. Or you're going to be definitely be exposed to it at some point no matter what is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Not not definitely going to be, but but that there's almost nothing you can do to keep yourself. If it's going to be around, it's just... It's either... Or it's going to... Flattening the curve may prevent that, but I don't know that it would... I don't know... Yeah, I'm not sure how that works. I think... <laughs> not a doctor. I think you could what you could do is flatten the curve to such a degree that you slow the virus so much that by the time a vaccine is developed not a lot of people will have been infected, yeah. you know? That like would be true. Yeah. So, so you're kind of like paralyzing it and yeah, yeah. still small pockets right. of people can get infected right. because they have no immunity for right. it. But it's to such a small scale that for it to make an actual like you're talking about, mm -hmm. by then we'll probably have a vaccine. So what we'd be looking at, a longer period of time with people having it, but a less amount of them during those periods of time. So the, 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 the hill, the graph would look 
way more like this than like this. Yeah, that's it what would, flattening, it would look, the, it would that's look, what so, flattening so, the curve means. So, so the so the the amount of time that the virus would be around would be for a year, maybe instead of instead of for three months, because the flu is normally around for about what three or four months every year. Three or four months. It's seas- they say it's seasonal, seasonal right? So. Exactly. So three or four months. So it, it's it's there, boom, and it's gone, because everyone gets it all at one time, and then it's gone. But flattening the curve would be to kind of isolate everybody, and then it would still be around in theory, it would still be around, and then. Um, if you could get the vaccine before the end of that curve, then, because what I'm what I would be worried about would be like at the very end of the curve, you think it's eradicated, and then like two or three people have it, and then all of a sudden all the precautions are gone, and then it goes again, you know, and like all the rest of the people that were so careful, just all of a sudden all get it. Yeah, I mean, there's that risk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but there are other diseases. Um, I can't. We all have to just... I can't bring exactly up their names right now. I'm yeah. blanking on the names, but there are diseases that have... There have been outbreaks in the United States. I don't know if it's in the United States or some African country or what, but there have been diseases where we still don't have a vaccine for. They just right. ran their course like you were talking about. And uh, even without a vaccine, like maybe there's, I don't know, a handful of cases every year of the disease, but not enough that'll get any kind of attention. So... Yeah, so there is the possibility, I think it's kind of remote at this point, there's the possibility we never develop one because we just stop worrying about it before mm-hmm. we care enough to develop it, you know, because it costs a lot of money to develop a vaccine and we don't really have a good capitalistic profit structure for it. I heard right they're now. already going to have one and it's going to be within 15 months. I heard that the other night. Well, they say it's uh, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean... Um, maybe I'm wrong about the capitalistic profit structure. I think there are some companies that are putting a lot of money into R&D into developing a, a patent or something. Right. But um, vaccines aren't the end-all, be-all, too. They're you, not. you got to keep that in mind. Just treatment, medicine. Some people aren't going to want to take the vaccines. Yeah, yeah, that's true, anti-vaxxers. But um, just treatment, medicine will be enough you know, for the general population. Mm-hmm. If you could reduce COVID to something like... A headache or, or just something minor mm-hmm. with chloroquine or whatever, mm-hmm. then yeah, like wouldn't it be funny? We, we're we... not going to shut the economy down for that at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know, I I know, and like that's the thing is like it's just, I'm just wondering like you know damage from the from the virus versus damage to our our life our life our whole livelihood, um, but you know it's an interesting topic and it's interesting to. You know, discuss. No, oh, I mean, we haven't had something like this since '57. It's I crazy. Think. I mean, I don't even know. It's once in a generation. What to so. do? Like, I'm, I'm just like, I mean, it's just the most, it's the most mind-boggling thing for them to, for them. But you know, at the same time, you know, you've got to trust, I guess, right? Trust and. Yeah, something like this has never happened in the modern age, and it affects us in such different ways than like maybe the early 20th century, where people were more, well, less technologically based and more social. So there's the risk of more infection because people are out more, but also less despair about it because we're so pampered, you know, like society caters to our every whim Mm -hmm. that when we get it taken away from us, it's more of the end of the world than it would have been to like somebody in the 20s and 30s or something, you know? That or just a disease in general is just like, just no big deal to the, you know, nowadays it's like, I mean, and then another thing let's, let's talk about, too, is hypochondriacs and our 
current medical system involved in this 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 uh, pandemic? I mean, there has to be some sort of a system that we make of like a one, two, three, four, five like system of you know people that come in that say, oh, I'm sick, super sick, you know, you know, and it's like. Okay, but then there's a guy over here that has a major laceration on his arm, or someone who just got hit by a car, or someone who's, you know, these people should be given automatic, first automatic, you know, priority, priority over someone who thinks they're sick with some sort of imaginary virus. Or not imaginary virus, but, you know, at that point, it could be possibly an imaginary virus. You know, we don't know at that point. You haven't tested them at that point. You don't, A lot of people yeah. that come in the hospital, it's, it's, seriously, it's like over 90% of people that come in the hospital for claiming to have a flu or like symptoms don't have anything wrong with them and they they all just there's this big class of people in our country that just they just looking for any reason to feel like a victim and they just they, they're they're just gonna jump all over anything that they can to either get attention or to exploit something and you know um i'm i everyone has it in them to do it you know and i'm not trying to say it's any certain group but it's just people do that and and um you know, that's the problem with this thing is we're not being tough right now. We're not like, you know, it's, it's you need know, getting a cold. Um, yeah, you know, you might get really sick. Um, and then if that happens, it, I mean, what can they even do? Okay, um, Locke, what, what can they even do for you at the hospital uh, if you were to have coronavirus or a flu? What can they even do besides give you antibiotics? Isolate you, basically. That's it, right? They just make Anything sure they can't do at home? They're state-provided nanny to make sure you don't infect anyone else basically and they right. just like tend to your tend to your symptoms you right. know if right. if you have a fever they'll give you a cold pack you know whatever for, for the basic right. problems they'll probably maybe give you an oxygen mask if you have our time maybe breathing. right keep you isolated but yeah. but my point is though if you had your own room at your house and you had you know access to a freezer and washcloths you could basically do everything that they're doing on your own with antibiotics and with some stuff from Long's drugs or you know wherever it is uh, CVS or wherever it is Rite Aid or wherever it is that you, you end up going you know I mean what can they even do for these people at the hospital there's nothing they can even do They, you know pat them on the butt send them home with some antibiotics and then, seriously it's like this, well, is, I this think, is stupid man I think like, people with lesser symptoms they do try to get them out the door because hospitals are like the place where you are more most likely to get infected. I know. You know it's literally a house full of sick people. Go there to get more infected. But than... when you have people that are like barely able to breathe, yeah, they should be in the ICU. They should not that's, be at home. That's what I mean. That's that what out. I mean. And I, I'm not so. saying I'm not saying if you're at that point that you shouldn't go. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is that there should be a limit. There should be categories. There should be designations of where you are on the scale and whether you should be allowed in the hospital. And and we wouldn't have a problem with our bed space. You know, stay at home. Okay, you get COVID. We can't do anything more for you than we than you can do for yourself at your house except give you these antibiotics and here they are right here, bang. Which, by the way, 95% of the antibiotics that we use in this country are made in China. Yeah. And that is some BS. We need to change that. Yeah, I tomorrow. heard about that. That needs to be, I mean, Americans need to start investing in that. that that's probably going to be a change yeah. as a result of this. I hope so. That's a, good, that's a good thing to invest in, I think, right now. Yeah, they're really important. They're they're really important to all medical ailments. Um, you know, they've been important for a long time, and they will be important into the future. And um, yeah, can you believe that we only make five percent of our own antibiotics? Yeah. What would happen in a, in a real serious? Come on, it's ridiculous. 
It's like um, if we made 5% of our own weapons. <laughs> at least we got a lot of those. You know, what can hospitals actually do for people? You know, can we do some of this at home? Do we really need to go out and do we really need to go to the hospital? Uh, or can is there a way that we could go just to a tent that they could set up that, that we could just get antibiotics? You know what I mean? Or like, yeah. um, you know, stuff like this needs to be investigated for not just this year, but next year. Because we can't shut our country down again like this. Yeah. I'm sorry, but we just can't. I mean, are you willing to do it again next year? Would you be willing to do it again? We had to? I don't know, man. I think um, if it was more clear cut that doing so would have a real impact, like a real effect like it is being yeah. shown right now, like it really helps then I'd people. be more likely to just be like, okay, yeah, let's okay. take this seriously. But like a lot of it's not up to me, you know? It's yeah. what, however society's going to act. You know, we could have our own notions about something right but if all the businesses are closed what are yeah. we going to do protests outside their doors my fucking ass can be out there protesting yeah i'm gonna be well, yeah, yeah i yeah. need to work man we, yeah i'm sorry we dude, have i'm saying let's just think about like okay some people aren't working but some people some some people are working but some people are not yeah and that's going to create some major static in our in our just everything in our society and it's yeah. just going to turn people into criminals it's just going to be it's just bad dude you know um and then what's funny, what's really what's really scary is food service workers are some of the highest percentage of people straight out of jail are in the food service industry. That so makes sense. all going to go right back to what they know how to do before, which is hitting the block and yeah, doing the damn thing and it's just No, oh it's it's going to have very dire economic consequences. I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just saying that as as much as our nation can tolerate it, I will cooperate with Me too. isolation. Me but too. Of if course, I, and if I, have I think been. it gets to a point where, you know, the cure is becoming worse than the disease, then yeah, yeah I, I I will jump into your camp and I will be with like with the mask on. I will jump into the, <laughs> your camp with the mask on. No one can on, see who we are. The hazmat suit as well, just in Fuck case. That. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's not, it's not like I'm, I'm, we're in different camps because we're really not, like, because you know we always do the devil's advocate. We're always gonna do yeah. that. But fucking yeah, dude. Um, excuse me. Um, we're not in different camps per se. We're just, we're just kind of maybe. See, because I'm, I'm of the belief that it's a very good drill. We talked about this before, but I'm not in any kind of camp yet because I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm just, I don't have all the facts yet. You know, there's a lot of things like that that I don't yeah. really have an opinion completely formed on it because I'm like, I'm still kind of waiting to see what how that plays out. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I wanted to get your opinion, though, on the other... Like, it seems like the two major conspiracies are that it's a bioweapon developed by China and that it's a bioweapon in general. Mm -hmm. Do you... Um, did you form one opinion or another? Yeah, I well... But not based off of anything I've read, but based off of the way that um, I don't think that it that it that it is or isn't. But I feel like okay, so I'm gonna start with this. Okay, so the Patriot Act was drafted up, and it happened in like two or three days after the the bombing happened. You know, rest in peace, all those amazing people that had to die that day. But um, they had a like a. 12, 12 or 1,500 or 2,500 page thing drafted up three days after, you know, 9-11 happened. And it's like, what? Like, you litigated all of that paperwork within three days? Like, psh, what? You were ready for this. And then same thing with this. They had this other piece of 
oh man, they had another piece of some kind of uh, bureaucratic, um, you know, litigation, and that they had it all printed up already, you know, um, all of the the from the coronavirus and the stuff that they wanted to do for the. And I just was wondering, is how could they have it ready that fast? And then there's all these corporations that seem to be ready on top of it. Like they seem, everybody seems to be cooperating really fast. Like commercials are already ready and infomercials are out and all this stuff. And it's like, what? Like, were these, were these, were these guys already, already ready for this? Like what's going on here? Like something is going on. I'm scratching my head. I have no idea. I'm like, this is weird. Like, and bioweapon, no bioweapon. I'm trying to see who would benefit more, China or the U.S. I don't know. I've heard some stuff about, uh, them needing to keep people clear off the streets so they could implant certain things in certain places. I'm not even going to say the word, but um, I've heard that conspiracy theory, which I don't know if that's all part of it, but uh, seems like if it was a bioweapon from China to expose the weaknesses of the U.S. and kind of bring us all to our knees, I think that might be, might be plausible, but at the same time, um, why would you just use a flu? And how would the U.S. government be so complicit in all of the things it would require to bring a communist? Because normally we wouldn't even be scared. You said all the media that hyped up all this fear to make us scared about it. Otherwise, if they wouldn't have said anything, we would just keep going on about our day and no one ever fucking got sick. I'm serious. It was all... So... It's the Chinese plants in the media. Right. That's... that's It's that or... I don't know, dude. I can't figure... It, I, I can't tell. I'm not reading anything on the internet. I'm looking at what I see going on the Americans could have done it because they had their own reasons to to want to put. I don't see why the Americans would have did this to their own system though. Um, it could have been like a a, a wing of the dem, of the uh, Americans that that wanted to fuck with Trump and also fuck with the economy right before the election. You know what I mean? That makes perfect sense to me. And this is like the unanswerable, unwinnable catch twenty two, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. If you I've never seen one. Enter your liberal Harvard professor caught lying about belonging to Wuhan. See? This is it. Yep. Falls in so line. yeah, I don't know what's going on yet, Johnny. I, I just, honestly, I'm not sure if it's bio or if it's not, but whatever it is, they were sure on board right away with it. And they were all scared and whooped up about it and freaked out before anyone even knew what the fuck the thing was. And they were all had all kinds of stuff drafted up and were had infomercials on there. If you look around, you'll see it plain as day. It's, this was, somebody planned this out. This was something, some, something isn't right about this. I'm not sure what it is, but, and maybe, maybe, maybe someone's just taking advantage of a crisis. Maybe it wasn't planned at all. <clears throat> but. Yeah, I think, I have no idea whether it was a bioweapon or not. I can only just work with the data I'm given. Mm -hmm. And from the evidence that I've seen, it just seems like it being a bioweapon engineered by China is, is very flimsy evidence. Mm -hmm. Like it's very kind of piecemeal and just kind of loosely strung together. And there's been a study into the... Um, into the origin of of where it came from, because they're saying it came out of a lab. But um, Nature Medicine published this article, and um, it says that the analysis is, suggests that SARS-CoV-2 
may bind human ACE2 with high affinity, computational analysis predict that the interaction is not ideal and that the RVD sequence is different from those shown in SARS-CoV to be optimal for receptor binding. Thus, the high affinity binding of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein to human ACE2 is most likely the result of natural selection on a human or human-like ACE2 that permits another optimal binding solution to arrive. To arise. This is strong evidence that SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus is not the product of purposeful manipulation. It's improbable that emerged through laboratory manipulation of a related SARS-CoV-like coronavirus. And um, I'll just kind of paraphrase what they're saying further on in the article. Basically that there are similar... Um, strains to the coronavirus mm -hmm. that are in laboratories mm -hmm. but they're not similar enough um, that by engineering one of these you would create the coronavirus so what I'm saying is if someone was to produce the coronavirus artificially, mm -hmm. they would have a hell of a hard time doing it based off of the existing coronavirus-like strains they have out there for right. research mm -hmm. because they're just not similar in ways you'd expect. They're mm -hmm. just very different. So it's just a very poor... Um, they don't, yeah, they don't have very much material to base it off right. of. The basic and point is that all the signs point to coming from an animal right from a bat um, right yeah bat, yeah angle and bats yeah it's has a 96 percent match i hear you i bet probably so is. probably um, is. most diseases come from animals i i i doesn't i mean but like let's say that it found it in an animal so many years ago yeah put it in a fucking bottle in the cdc and put it in virginia or wherever the cdc headquarters is and decided someone decided huh fuck a genius, evil genius, like, fuck, I can do all kinds of political shit and all kinds of shit with this thing. Fucking pop, here we go. Fucking, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, just because it came from a bat, just because they, doesn't mean they can't synthesize it, doesn't mean, so yeah, maybe it wasn't created in the lab, maybe it was created in nature, doesn't mean it can't be synthesized and then fucking duplicated and then reproduced. So, who fucking knows, man? Like, it's really hard to say, like, that, um, there's probably no way to ever find out where it really came from, you know? Even if it came from nature, they could just synthesize that one, right? Couldn't they? I don't think it works exactly like that. They would have to know... They would have to, like, isolate this bat that has it mm -hmm. and do this before it spread it to the general population. And they'd have to know ahead of time that it was going to oh. be the right coronavirus that would infect humans. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, mm -hmm. the conditions that would be required to do what you're talking about, to just mm -hmm. synthesize it from nature... Like, all right, let's just play with the idea for a second. Say a bat um, is infected with coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And it ends up in the one of the Wuhan city markets. Um, if nothing happens, if no governmental or research uh, organization intervenes then it'll affect one person, and then that number will exponentially rise. Mm -hmm. And you're just saying yourself how we may never know where mm -hmm. exactly this disease came from. So right. if you're talking about a government agency synthesizing something that happens in nature, 
they would have to somehow know that people started getting infected at that market that day with the deadly disease, and they would right. have to track down the exact source of where it was coming from, right. bring that to their lab, and then you know make a super plague or whatever mm. out of it and yeah. release they that. Would, they would have to found it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it would just be so insanely difficult and it defy belief if it was ever even possible yeah. to do that if, I, if people claim to have done it i don't mm -hmm. think it'd be hard to believe mm -hmm. that they actually did it <clears throat> right so i think that's just kind of the <clears throat> problem with synthesizing it from nature you would have to kind of you'd have to kind of make this on your own mm -hmm. and, it, and the article was basically summed up it, it was saying if they were to produce um covid19 in a lab they're sure as hell not doing it the right way. They're right. doing the ass backwards way, the way that is more than, like you have a 99.9% .9 chance of failure compared to what would make sense for that. Weird. So it's, it, it's all a matter of where does the evidence point to. If the right. evidence points towards it being developed through natural selection, then maybe you should give that hypothesis a little bit more credence than than what you could put to, than dots you could put together and call just as um, reputable a theory, which is that it was bioengineered by China. Right. So you're right. At the end of the day, we have no idea where it came from exactly, mm -hmm. and it's unlikely we'll ever know. But I'm still going to put my money on it springing from some ill-begotten bat soup. Yeah, I bet. No, I'm sure. I, I, I bet. I bet that it was. I mean, it's too. It's too perfectly placed and everything. It's just like the way that it's right on Washington and right in New York, like the two places at the edge of the country that it was. Yeah. And then another one in Louisiana. It's like I'm surprised Chicago hasn't had an outbreak yet. Cause I'm surprised. But yeah, like, I, 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 I it's, it's everything is just too perfect of a storm for this to be. I don't know. I mean, if you know where to look and you're that kind of a person, like. If you're a detective-oriented mind and you like look at little things, like if things are out of place when you come home or you notice little things, those are the kind of people who notice things like this. You know what I mean? And you see little things, and that's the kind of minds that you and I have, you know. And so, yeah, I see it all, and I'm like, oh man, like something's going on here. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't want to say what because I don't know what, but I know something f is going on, and I. Honestly, man, it scares the living daylights out of me because I've never seen nothing like this, dude. This is like. What? Like, I mean, um, this one time, like, they can't keep doing this to us. I mean, I just don't know how it will, how it will affect our country. I mean, we'd all have to, the workforce would have to completely restructure and everything we'd have to, you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, it's, a, uh, it's something that needs to be investigated because, I mean, I think that there's a lot of questions going on around, like, right now, you know, I mean, like, um, I think there's there's a lot of people out there that are like more afraid of losing everything than they are of, of getting sick. You know? Yeah. Straight up. And yeah, that's that's a valid that's a valid concern, isn't it? Is it not? No, it is. And I mean there's a the a serious risk that, you know, theft and violent crime and all these things might get overlooked. Skyrocket too. Because that's not what's selling the newspapers right now. Sure, like I said, all of the all of the food and service people they're all criminals, man. A lot of the people who come in, I mean, I don't mean saying it like that, but a lot of people that work in food and beverage come out of jail, they go into that, dude. And it's a really good thing for people that want to get their act together to come out of jail. Because people who don't have their act together to come out of jail don't go there. 
It's the people who have their act together that come out of jail. They want to get their life straight. They go into the food and service. So a lot of people, man, that aren't working right now are sitting there twiddling their thumbs, like probably burning through the last of their savings. Like, this is not good. Like, they can't keep us, they can't shut our country down too much longer. But, you know, like I said, I'm one of the people affected, so of course I'm biased. I think there's a limit to what you can ask people to realistically do. Right. And by just turning off the water faucet of their income, you know, their their livelihood. I mean, it's far more than just people getting irritated at being cooped up all day. It's yeah. like literally not the difference between being able to provide for yeah. your family or not. The animalistic side of so when you're, being coming yeah. out. So when you're forcing a lot of these people to make these kind of decisions, of course they're going to be bad uh, consequences. Right. I do think that there are some kind of stop measures put in place right now to hold that off as much as possible, you know, the direct payments, the the um, the tax uh, deadline being pushed right. back, the, um, the the grants and the allowances for unemployment insurance and unemployment and businesses are able to apply, to apply for uh, the losses that are being incurred mm-hmm. by this. So I do think the government <clears throat> is trying to, like, put a Band-Aid on a on a bullet hole. bullet hole, which will stop the bleeding for maybe a couple seconds, but right. hopefully um, those couple of seconds will be long enough that we could get back to normal, or at least start to, you know? Certain people will be able to. Other people are going to be really, really messed up, because, I mean, even if they're okay, their whole savings are going to be wiped out. Yeah. And it's all going to be in Jeff Bezos' pocket, but that's that's cool. It's just how life is, I mean, and something that we're all going to have to deal with, and... Um, you know, but we all gonna have to recognize that this is something that that's happening now, and um, uh, uh, you know, for for certain people, a lot of people out there, like close to ten million people out there, ten million people out there, really have to worry about what they're gonna, you know, how to how to support their families and stuff. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for them, um, but it should. I honestly, I think, you know, a good idea would be, like, what about if they're going to have to build little temporary hospitals, you know, test COVID people? Maybe they could have hire people, for, like, people that were restaurant workers and say, hey, if you fit a certain criteria, maybe you could come work for $15 an hour during this time to help us with this, like, set up these things or, yeah, I don't know, something like that, you know, to help people make money, to well, be able to help with the things that need to be done because there's a lot of, like, work yeah. that has to be done, too. And so, there's a lot of labor that's going to be required. Right. A lot of workers are going to be repurposed for yeah. things, probably temporarily. Solution-based thinking is going to be really important, I think, in the future here, because yeah. it's really easy for us to sit and talk about all the problems until we're blue in the face. And talking about them is important because you know it's important to address what's wrong and stuff. We can't fix what's wrong unless you know what's wrong. But um, I think that solutions are also really important, and we're gonna have to figure this out because, man, I'm telling you what, like, it's like I haven't went to bed with the pit it's my stomach for like years and just for the last couple month last month like i wake up and i've got like a little knot of fear in my stomach i'm like it's crazy but i mean i'm not the only one and like that's why i feel better is because i'm not the only one at all i'm not even the only one in my house like you know and um it's all good we'll we'll we'll, we'll all make it through i'm sure yeah yeah well we're, sh- we're strong people still even if uh, our country hasn't been <laughs> right I mean, as tough as it used to be. I think this will have a rebound, snapback effect. We'll, 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 
it'll be hard for a while, but then there might be like a real strong rebound, you know. Yeah. Real strong rebound, and there will be money to be made. And restaurants, man, is not really the greatest for anyone listening. Like, restaurants can be good money at first, and they they work for a while. But honestly, guys, like, if you can get a real career, like trade work or something, don't don't mess with the restaurants. They they're not they're not they're not all they chopped up to be. It's a lot of stress, and people. It's just, you know, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. It's a tough way to make a living. Right. It's a hamster wheel. It's a hamster wheel. That's what it is. Yeah. But yeah, um, what an interesting topic because I never thought that I'd ever live through anything like this. I'm kind of like, wow. I, can't yeah, I mean, I didn't think I was going to live through the modern day like Spanish flu. <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah. Right? The modern day like semi-apocalypse. Yeah. It's crazy. But um, these are very strange times indeed, and we are being met with things that we've never been met with. Like right. uh, this, these things have happened throughout history, but um, we've never had to deal with it. Yeah, and I think the context is always changing. The farther advanced society and technology is, so while familiar lessons can be learned from in the past, it's still like a, a, an epidemic in you know. Ancient Rome is still not the same as right. two thousand twenty. I know. So Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The thing I think there's an argument to be made for if it does turn out to be less strong than the flu or as strong only as the flu, then it might be an argument to be made. It's like, hey, let's not freak out about this. You know? I think I think though from everything that's coming out there, like all the stories from nurses and you know, emergency rooms and things like that, it seems like the symptoms are more severe. Mm -hmm. uh, like, the respiratory failure is more acute mm -hmm. than the regular influenza. And I just right. think more people are having worse reactions to it. Yeah. So I've heard that it's pretty I, strong. I, f I feel still a little disingenuous intellectually to call it the flu. Compare the same way. Yeah. Maybe the mortality rate's similar. You I know, maybe you. the death rate um, is you. comparable, but I think the actual experience of living through it, like they're talking about permanent damage to people's lungs as a result of COVID, you know, like wow. stuff that people live with, even if they recover fully, mm -hmm. they've got like basically equivalent to like popcorn lung, smoker's lungs, like wow. yeah. just very sharp pain throughout their life, just horrible, horrible things, you sure. know, so... It's not, it's very dangerous to downplay the potential effects that this has, you know, right. on, on the health. So I would just say, like, don't equivalent this to the flu exactly. This is, I would say this is the flu on steroids mm -hmm. um, as, as far as it's, right. like, the people's reactions to it, you know. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that, man. Pretty scary, uh, scary thing out there. It's pretty hard to believe that living through something like that. Yeah, it's very new for us, but I think it it is hopefully going to be a time that unites us, you know, and mm -hmm. brings us closer as as um, human beings, like nine eleven did. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that'll happen though, but it would be nice if we just started caring about each other a little bit more as a result of this for at least a little while. <laughs> I think so too. Like one of the things that I thought was pretty funny is that there was no like rules on people, the amount of toilet paper people could buy and for like a while, 
And then, then there were some rules about certain things. It was like, I saw this one dude getting like three shopping carts full of, of uh, toilet paper the other day. And I'm like, bro, really? Like, you can't have a family that big. There's no way. Like, bro, you just took half the aisle. Like, fuck. That's, that should be, that should not be okay. Like, he wasn't thinking about anyone else. There was no aloha in that. But like, yeah. but like, there was people being super cool at the, other, at the same time. What I'm trying to say is that that should be something that I think would be benefited from this situation is, you know, some basic rules. Like, okay, so you only get to buy this much alcohol, this much toilet paper if something like this starts happening. Yeah, you I think in a panic, in. yeah, in a panic, the worst comes out in people. People show you who they really are. They do. It's it's crazy. It's like it's, it's really scary. It's really scary. But you know, I used to watch Doomsday Preppers a lot. It was such a cool show. I used to, which I was rich enough to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, for no reason though, I didn't have like a reason to prep. I just thought it would be cool to have all that stuff just in case something crazy happened. But now it's like those guys don't look so dumb anymore, do they? They don't look so dumb anymore. Everyone's like, oh, fuck, the doomsday preppers. Those guys are the fucking... They were. see how many people were buying guns, right? Yeah. When this started? Good for them. Really, like, lines. Good for them, the yeah. Fucking Second Amendment, baby. First Amendment, whichever one. Fucking Second Amendment. Yeah, dude. And that's good, because you know what? We might... hate saying it, but we might need them. And I'm not going to rely on the police to come. If this shit gets crazy, eventually, I already know. They're not going to come. No one's going to come. Gun's gonna be the one thing that. That's the only thing you could really rely on. on. Is your gun, your family, is yourself. Yourself, <laughs> right? But I don't think that's gonna come to pass for a long time. I don't think the powers that be want a complete collapse. I think they just want a partial collapse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just want to, they just want us to restructure everything and think that they feel like that. Yeah, you know, slowly kind of forcing us to capitulate. Is uh, something that that is in their best interest. To... Yeah, I think people need to chill with the end times talk. Yeah, I don't think it's as serious as everyone's making out to be. I don't think so either, dude. But uh, things are gonna go on, dude. Fucking, it's just gonna change. That's all. Yeah. It's gonna go on. It's just gonna change. It's not. It's it's not gonna end. I it's think gonna it's easy for major change, though, to seem like the end of the world to a lot of people. Right. Especially like... Very good point. Especially the more conservative-oriented people. Right, absolutely. Because they're more traditionally yeah, against change. Right, exactly. You know, like societal change, they push back toward. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, absolutely. To them, it's like an end of a way of life. Right. And they're afraid. Right. So they think it might be the end. But um, no, it's not the end. But the funny thing is, is, like, on the flip side of that, I think it's funny, is I think a lot of the, like, people that are really change oriented don't quite realize how hard that change would be <laughs> they think it'd be like a yeah. big fucking party like a big jay-z concert where they're yeah. all dancing around the glow sticks and taking ecstasy tags everything's gonna change tomorrow it's gonna be great but yeah. all of a sudden there's people with rifles pointing at their heads so you know getting to the fema fucking gates over there and the fucking you know what i mean and the walmart fucking get over here yeah. fucking kicking them with a boot in their back and they're like oh with their fucking little glow sticks and their, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're that's change? This is change? Yeah. It's oh, the yeah, open that's change. change it's the open change. You're the one that voted for this, you fucking dummy. Get over there. Fucking kick him again in the back. Well, that's like the big concern is, um, even Edward Snowden <clears> was talking about it, like, watch what the government is going to try to push legislation-wise after something like this because they oh, will yeah. go out. This is like prime hunting season of civil liberties fuck yeah that's what this i was is... saying about having that thing already drafted up after only two days 
come on, this thing had only been going on for two days. They already had this big old thing drafted up. Like, it was. It's like they were ready for it. But yeah, they're they're gonna they just like with the Patriot Act. They yeah they they want to pass a bunch of laws, so they're gonna do. And I think it's already done. Yeah, they already did a lot of it. I'm not even aware of what it is. I know. Well, I think they passed some legislation like a wartime's bill where. Yeah. The president can order businesses to produce yeah, respirators, which things. I think he made he, he made Ford do. Stuff like that, you know, nas- nationalization yeah. of certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like partial martial law. But yeah, like Patriot Act two point yeah. could be on the horizon for sure, sure as a result of this. I do not put it past the government Me whatsoever. Neither. neither do I. They if, never waste a good. In fact, I expect it pandemic. of them. I absolutely expect it of them. Um, There's never a national calamity the government didn't love. Well, or they didn't have set their hands in and create, like, and I'm not saying it in a bad way, like, I'm kind of glad it's my government that did it, but, like, fucking, man, another day we could talk about InQtel, their, 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 their corporation they have that is, uh, it's a 5013C, so it's a non-profit corporate corporation, but it's, uh, it outsources from, like, Facebook and Google and all these companies and Alphabet and, they were created in 1999, and their whole idea was that they weren't getting ahead in the IT revolution fast enough, and the, the, the private market people were. So, they created a private company that they could like outsource all of this IT work with. And so, they were involved in InQtel was involved in creating the internet and a bunch of shit with DARPA and really interesting stuff. But um, uh, they've definitely privatized privatized some stuff and they're definitely there's some private sector shit being worked in with the government like right now you know big time yeah yeah private sector and the public sector are very much in bed with each other it's crazy dude it's terrible yeah it is terrible i wonder what china's thinking they're probably laughing on their face like stupid motherfuckers like they're all fucking running around scared they're fucking all worried that we're gonna sit with our guns and be like, "Come on, motherfuckers, fuck you." That's what they're worried about, that, but we're not. We're running around with our masks on, fucking all freaking out. Yeah. People fucking just be like, "Come on." Well, all Trump is taking a pretty hostile stance towards them. He's, you know, calling it yeah. the Wuhan virus. I, I mean, that's kind of a defensive move because the Chinese government's is, yeah. trying to pin the blame on us for this, right? For exactly. This virus. So it's kind of like game on in that right. arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, though, that authoritarian governments are pretty well suited to address these kind of problems, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, because mm-hmm. in a country like China, you could easily track every single human being. You could track all their communication, uh, you know, their movement, their communication, and you have 100% control over the entire infrastructure. Right. So you... If you're the government trying to eradicate this disease, then you're in a perfect position to do so because you could, like, the the subjects, the civilians have no civil liberties. They have no like natural right. rights. So you right. could do whatever you want to them. You could right. you could pretty much like um, bomb an entire building full of people with uh, freaking insecticide or whatever that they do to. Um, de- disinfect people, mm-hmm. not insecticide, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You There's those videos of the gas mask workers spraying that stuff like throughout the streets, walking mm-hmm. through. Everyone gets covered in it. So It's crazy. Um, whole whole freaking cities get 
quarantined and people are left, you know, to starve to death and um, just really radical measures are put in place that no other kind of government could get away with, you know. So they are able, I think, specially equipped to deal with this kind of problem because of all the horrible stuff that they're allowed to do. Right. But um, that's just a side effect, you know, of those government structures. If you want to give people freedom and liberty, then you're more likely not going to be able to make unilateral governmental movements like this, like measure, right. measures like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we could barely get our people to stay inside, let alone lock down entire cities. Right, for sure. But yep. It's the whole security versus uh, liberty argument, you know? Right. If you sacrifice one for the other, then you get neither. Right, and you get neither, yeah. Ooh, yeah, and that's not good. That's not what we want at all. That's what we hope not to have. Yep. But, yeah. Cer- strange times ahead, for it's sure. Strange times ahead, but, yeah. But uh, we just got to keep our head above water, you know. Keep uh, looking at the facts and try to cut down on misinformation that's floating yeah. out there and be responsible and right. do our part, you know, and um, just kind of ride this terrible wave. <laughs> deliberate, deliberate so that way we have a better idea about what what's going on around us. That way it's not just like we're not just only hearing one thing and then making our own little tiny decisions without hearing what anyone else has to say and like talking about it with somebody, you know. Yeah. Um, we all have to talk during these times. Like, this is going to be a amazing time and like I think for us to just not talk about this and just ignore it um for better for worse is not good like I think that this is a a thing that's going to change our society we need to talk about it we might even need to go out in public and be like I want to go back to work or I don't want to go back to work or whatever we want to say but um yeah I don't think there'll be any problem about people talking about it I think it's I, I open Twitter and you might as well call it coronavirus. Yeah. Twitter, coronavirus Twitter. Yeah, because there's but, no such thing as a tweet not about coronavirus. What's funny, right? dude, is that no one's really saying anything except for they're all saying the same. All of the diverse people are the most least diverse people ever. They're, <laughs> they're all saying the same shit, right? They are. It's like, unless, for the most part, like, like you know, everyone's nobody's really questioning this very few people are there's a few people are but it's like not questioning it but like questioning the severity of it not questioning that it's a thing but questioning like our reaction to it and then um, I know what you mean I think people are especially afraid of saving, saying something especially pro- provocative about yeah. this particular issue yeah very which afraid. is the you know not very smart if you don't, yeah. Yeah, I think um, people are kind of getting canceled for trying to say that yeah. this is really going to hurt the economy a lot, yeah, you know? they are. That this is potential that the cure is worse than the illness, blah, blah, yeah. blah. You know, all these talking points that are basically seen as the the nether points yeah, of, the, nether point of the right. society's discourse. Yeah, you know? like the... Or so the... People, people can't be afraid to talk about... How they feel. Yeah, okay, and, dude. and talk people. about the alternate considerations. You yeah, know? like it can't be like country's about. People shouldn't tar and feather each other, you know, for mm. expressing these opinions. They shouldn't you know? at all. Just like, 
it's the idea of the marketplace of ideas, you know, just yeah. if you spot an idea that doesn't have much merit, then just reject it um, civilly, you know? Exactly. You don't have to make people think that they're evil human beings. Absolutely. You know? And if you, really if you get emotional about what someone else said, then that's your fault. You let that affect you a little too much. Yeah. Right? Like, they could say what they want to say. They could even fart right next to you. And you, if you let it really drive you crazy, then that's your fucking fault. Because, yeah, that was fucked up. And it was gross. And it was ugly. But are you going to let it get to you? Like, that's going to happen. You know, people are going to have different opinions. And, and one of the things I like to tell people, too, they get real fucking freaked out about other people's opinions. It's like, imagine if everybody was just like you. Right? And you had a world all of a sudden, boom, and it was just a trillion yous. Would that be a fun world? No. Would you have a good skill set around you of things? No. You, it would be a nightmare. You might have one good conversation, and after that, you'd be like, oh my God, I'm in fucking hell. So, difference of opinion is amazing. It's important. It's important for team building. It's important for... It's important in families. It's important in, you know, and so we're all going to have difference of opinion. It's important that we talk about these things so that we can come to a consensus and solutions so that we can find a way to proceed. Yeah, I think surrounding yourself with people that agree with you is, it's just like... I do it a little bit, but... Yeah, I think <laughs> we all, and we all do it to some degree right. or another, but it's not as substantive right. when you're talking about if everyone's on the exact same it's terms not, as you, no. you know, because you can't push against your ideas, you can't... Mm. You can't pull them. You can't see if they're strong. You can't see if they can withstand pressure. Right. And if you aren't, if your ideas aren't battle tested, then when you do come across someone who disagrees with you, then you're going to be far less prepared to talk to them about mm -hmm. it than had you just always surrounded yourself with people that have varying opinions about right. all varying topics. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. so it's just. It's just a good habit to get into in general, just engaging with the opposite point of view. Mm -hmm. I don't understand the idea of only trust. Like, for instance, people have a tendency to only get their news from certain sources, and they're the only sources they trust. They're the only tr sources that they think spread the news about the real issues that are going on. And um, uh, usually what the case is that, is that they are attracted to news sources that are biased in the same way that, as they are. Because right. every news source is biased. I don't care what your news source is. It could be the AP. They're so It doesn't biased. matter. You're right. Every single one is biased. So what you're supposed to do is just get information from all sides so you know exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. And you draw your own conclusions about what the real issue is, what the real truth of the matter is. Right. Know? It's just like, I don't know, surrounding yourself with people that only think the same thing as you is equivalent to only watching CNN, CNN right, or MSNBC, Fox, right, exactly. blah, 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 or only watching Fox, right, exactly. reading Breitbart, listen to Rush Limbaugh. It's just, I don't know. You're, yeah. um, it's not going to be as robust, I think. Yeah, um... I, I absolutely agree with you, um, and uh, I think like when you think in terms of like sending a team in to like do a job like in a milit militant situation, like you have 
one person that's really good at this skill set, one person that's really good at this skill set, and one person that's really good at this skill set. You know, four people that are all really different, that all have different insights and different skill sets. And if they were all the same exact person, they wouldn't be able to complete the job. But because they're all different, because they all have different knowledges, different, you know, skill sets, then they're they're a great team. So, you know, difference of opinions and, and different different things that we know of is really important. It is really important. Even yeah. if it is annoying sometimes, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's frustrating. Maybe sometimes it feels uncomfortable, but it's it is it's a it's a big part of a healthy uh population and, and, and uh, healthy families too. Well relating back to your team analogy is that different differing points of view are indicative of just different mindsets, you know, different yeah. temperaments, different ways of analyzing and looking at an issue right. that you might not ever be have been aware of before the fact. So it really helps you think outside the box when you're able to pull from different views like this and different strengths and different, I don't know, ways of looking at the world, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You Because, know? like, who are you that you have such a good grip on the way things are that only people that are like-minded are worth listening to? You right. Know? Like... It's true. I yeah. feel like people put way too much measure of importance on themselves and, mm -hmm. like, all oh, these ideas are falling for this, but I... Right. I know what's really happening. <laughs> well, like, it's true because, you know, it's funny how often in life, like, you think you know a lot about a thing or you'll think you have, and then you'll find out, like, one extra fact. Oh, fuck, I totally feel different about that whole scenario. Like, oh, so-and-so cheated on so-and-so. And then you find out, oh, fuck, so-and-so cheated on so-and-so with the best friend before that. So-and-so cheated on so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck, now it makes sense why so-and-so cheated on so-and-so. Yeah. Because they already got cheated on. So yeah. sometimes we don't know all the facts, and sometimes we form opinions before we know all the facts, and we get really animated about those opinions. And I try to keep myself from getting too animated because I know I'm just like a little reed in the wind here, and I'm just like, all this shit's going, and I, you know, I'm trying to trying to understand it. But yeah, you know, our brains are programmed to be pattern seeking, and it helps to paint things in black and white colors because it helps us understand it more clearly right but unfortunately reality is shades of gray you know it always has been and it always will be right it's, it's always more complex than you give it credit for yeah it's true. so only taking a certain side of things loyalty to an ideology it's just kind of like a poisonous thing to do intellectually i think just it's it's never gonna let you develop to where you could to where you could go you know to mm -hmm. where you could um, look at issues and be more objective and get the facts in a more um, measured and nuanced way than if you always just look to certain um, figureheads let's say pundits right to tell yeah. you what your opinion is because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what so many people do they they watch sean hannity to get their opinion on something mm -hmm. whatever he says that's, that's who their they, opinion that's right. that's who they salute you know right. like, yeah yeah that's man like, right oh man it just it sucks right no i totally hear you i totally hear you and then you know that that just it's it's that way with so many, so on both, we have just have polarized society now that's just like so, 
ready for an argument and ready ready to just go at it with each other. It's like solutions. It's like you say the word solution and like what? What's that? What's that mean? What's what's that word? <laughs> hey, solution. Like, hey, uh, forget the argument. Like, what? No, but like, yeah, solutions are something that don't seem to find very much these days, and there's not a lot of common ground between uh, the people that want to change our country and the people who want to keep it the same. But fuck, sometimes I feel like they just split it, split the country in half, and just be like, okay. <laughs> that way there's being a war yeah that way they won't go to war one day because I know eventually they're just going to fucking battle and this is going to be like no maybe not it would be nice if you could divide it up that way but, <laughs> yeah, um, but again that's too black and white of a solution right there you go yep again yep that's just not that it's just not that easy yeah it's just like if we could just make a nice line between China and the US but it's not that black and white <laughs> it's not going to be that way it's just getting the communism it's just going to yeah. Not gonna stay apart forever, but anyways, all right. Yeah, I think um, I think yeah, we just gotta weather this, man, and hope for the best, and mm -hmm. keep our heads and be alert. You know, do what we're supposed to do, um, and I think we'll get it. Like we said, through uh, okay. You yeah. Know? Unfortunately, not everyone's gonna make it, but. Um, I think we'll arise out of the stronger. I have long-term optimism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I, th I think so, too. I agree. Long-term yeah. optimism is the way, and just, um, yeah, adapt, too, right? Yeah. Adapt and just uh, make it work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is a good point to end. But, um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's pick this up and some more next time. And uh, we'll delve a little bit deeper. Sweet. Awesome. All right. Awesome. All right, bro. Cheers. Cheers.